Welcome to Vanguard Radio. Great. Jeff, thanks for joining me for Free Talk Live tonight, this Friday, November 10th, 2006. We have a couple things in the news tonight. Uh, we have some raging homos in Israel setting synagogues on fire. We, uh, I'm going to go over some stuff that's happening in Iran that you may find out about in a couple weeks otherwise. Uh, we have a Harvard study showing diversity to be bad and a Wake Forest study showing ethnic pride to be good. Uh, we have a tsunami of anti-Semitism in Russia and uh, and the United Kingdom. Actually, we have a couple articles there. Uh, we have a story about uh, Vietnam. And while our politicians are talking free trade with the Vietnamese, uh, some Vietnamese, ostensibly from the United States, uh, are in jail for terrorism for setting up a an anti-communist radio airwave. Um, that's yeah, and that's going to round us there. we got a couple calls. If you want to call in, and we encourage you to do so, Skype, VNN Free Talk Live. That's one word, VNN Free Talk Live. And, uh, oh, yeah, also, we have a, uh, uh, we have the evil Free Talk Live, uh, the, the other Free Talk Live. Jeff, did you get a chance to listen to that uh, sound file I gave you? Uh, no, uh, I oh, didn't. Goody, so I can, I, would you like me to play it right now? Uh, no, maybe in a little bit. I was just going to set it up. and okay. uh, Yeah, I, I spoke with the evil Free Talk Live today uh, on their show for a minute. And uh, there's uh, some patriotard-type libertarians. And uh, I had a little bit of fun with them. And I recorded it. And we're going to play that. Have a good laugh. Um, let's see. We also have, uh, oh yeah, we have some intermachinations of, uh, politics in Washington as far as the James Baker report. Uh, uh, former, uh, big man on campus, James Baker. Uh, he was a member of, he's been a, a member of the Washington DC elite for a long time now. Uh, and he's been what's described as an Arabist. And he's more for taking a, a more balanced line uh, in the Middle East toward Israel. And uh, he's portrayed as an anti-Semite a lot of times for that. He's been appointed, or he's been appointed to head a Blue Ribbon Commission. And he's come up, the, that commission is going to come up with some interesting things. And we'll talk about that and tell you a little bit about what is going to be in the news next week. And let's see, oh yeah, the one more thing, Robert... Gates, the appointment of Robert Gates as Secretary of Defense to replace Donald Rumsfeld is important, and I'm going to tell you a little bit uh, about why that is a little bit later on in the show. But uh, right now, I want to make sure Jeff Beck is here. Are you here, Mr. Engineer Jeff Beck? I am here. Hi. Okay. Now, you've told me we have a couple of people that want to call in tonight. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, I don't know if... Um uh, I'll just ask you this, and this is probably not what the listeners want to hear. As someone else is reporting, you're a little scratchy and a little hot, and oh uh, but I'm coming in clear. And I just would ask you: Did you reboot before you you came on? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, why don't you go ahead and spin a tune? No, no, I, I I think it's okay. I think it's acceptable. Uh, it's just slightly, you know, like a little sparkly. 
you know, yeah. like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's causing that, and I think we could probably spend a lot of time trying to figure out what it is and never get down to the root yeah. of it. Well, but, mainly I can, I can just turn it down. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe you can turn a few more levers down, and then um, we'll see if that helps. Yeah. God bless Windows. Uh, okay. All right, am I still coming in? Yeah, you're coming in pretty good. Uh, uh, speak a little bit more. Alrighty. Yeah, that? yeah that, is it, that a better? Yeah, when you speak loudly, it 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 breaks up a little All bit. Right. But it's All just right, so on the top. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. When you're more in like the bit. mid-range area, it doesn't it doesn't go ahead. How how far down are you? Oh, I'm not very far. Well, go 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 down uh, like two two or three pegs. All right, is that any better? Any clearer, less clear, more yeah, or less I about the I same? I didn't notice any change at all on your end. Oh, wow. I mean, I didn't okay. even notice you, you sounding softer. Are okay. you near the bottom? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Okay. Well, let's just continue on, and we'll, uh, we'll okay. diagnose this as the show goes on. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. I'm in the process of looking at uh, a better mic, or, or rather a, a hookup for my soundboard to go into this computer. Yeah, I don't think um, it sounds really bad. I think it's just, a, you know, marginally a problem. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed before on the other Free Talk Lives that I seem to have the worst mic out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's definitely not a good feeling. But uh, <laughs> uh, have you read this um, uh, this homos in Israel doing the uh, gay pride march and, and running into some static there? You know, I haven't followed that story, but I do. But I do believe uh, from the headline, I, I kind of scoured quickly, uh, skimmed over. Excuse me. Uh, I believe the march was canceled. Is that correct? Yeah, they, they there was some type of uh, uh, some type of terrorist uh, warning or uncovering of a so-called terrorist plot uh, that sort of. Put the quash on things, but it, it it was uh it was shaping up to be a very um it was shaping up to be a very entertaining thing. I, I always like to see uh, Jews doing over uh, encountering in Israel in their own homeland uh, what they forced on us here, and uh, I like to see their hypocrisy because that kind of lays it bare, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely. I, I have a um, a category on my blog called "Blood and Soil," "Blood and Soil for Me," "Nation of Immigrants for Thee." Uh, that kind of I like to demonstrate how Israel. Well, for instance, we had something earlier uh, or mid last week, let's say, uh, with Jean Marie Le Pen's daughter was going to go with a delegation of French politicians to Israel, and the Israelis said that they would not uh, host them if she came because she's a nationalist politician and that, you know, Jews don't like nationalism. And yet, at the ver- on the very same day, and the way I have my news aggregator set up, it was right next to it, uh, Ehud Olmert brought in uh, Lieberman, not, not our Lieberman, but a, a, Lieber- a Lieberman in Israel, um, into the cabinet, who is a hard right, quote unquote, nationalist uh, politician, you know, deport the Arabs, glass parking lot, all that stuff. Um, he's 
brought him into the government, trying to co-opt the the hard right over there in Israel. And it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to try to tie that together. Um, as as you guys probably know, uh, in Europe and uh, in Israel, they have to form uh, consensus governments. It's it's not they don't their executive doesn't look like ours with one president. You know, the president has or the prime minister has to form a government, has to form a cabinet from among different parties. Uh, they actually have more than two parties, uh, and it's a much better way of doing things. It's the type of governments we set up over in Europe after World War II with proportional representation and all that, you know, modern, uh, more modern systems uh, that make democracy slightly more tolerable, but not really. Um, but, but yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting that they would not, Accommodate uh, Miss Le Pen, who is the, for all intents and purposes, the future of nationalism in France. And uh, but they would not even see a delegation that included her, because she was a nationalist politician. Well, and you know, as far as I know, ironically, Israel is really the only country that is allowed to defend itself in terms of its national identity. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Uh, Isn't that almost, odd? I mean, you know... <laughs> it should be odd, but uh, then again, when you know who we're talking about, it's uh, it's par for the course. It's just frustrating to see that, uh, you know, we have to have this nation of immigrants uh, thing enforced on us here in the United States, and yet these same Zionist Jews that enforce the nation of immigrants meme on us here have no problem uh, going over to Israel or funding Israel or sticking up for Israel or any number of things. They have no problem with Israel uh, doing some of these things that, I mean, a white nationalist government wouldn't even do from the United... A white nationalist government in the United States wouldn't even try. I mean, so it's, it, it's hypocrisy at its best, and it's a good tool to use to show to your... Uh, to your perhaps neocon friends or your patriotard friends, uh, just to demonstrate some of the hypocrisy. Because it is. It's laid bare. It's, it's you know, they, they use the same words and say, we hate this, and, yeah, this is a good thing. Uh, nationalism in Israel is good. The nationalist politicians must be co-opted and brought into the government. Uh, French nationalists, on the other hand, need not, need not apply. They're not allowed in France. They're not allowed to represent France and Israel, so that uh, that can be somewhat maddening. You know, I just heard a story today. Uh, uh, there, there was a story uh, that kind of bubbled up slightly uh, in the mainstream media, and that had to do with um, sort of confrontation between the German Navy uh, and Israel off the coast of Lebanon, and. I'm not sure. I don't watch television, so I'm not. I don't know if it made the the, the cable network television uh, news uh, shows or not. But uh, yeah. it made it into a few radio outlets, uh, and but not very strong there either. But I did happen to uh, turn on the TV today, and uh, uh, actually it wasn't. I didn't turn it on. It was another place, and then I heard it today on NPR as uh, one of their top of the hour stories that. Uh, heaven forbid that the German Navy, like two years ago, had escorted, uh, 
the uh, American Navy uh, around the some some uh, some Cape of, of the Good Hope or something like that. I don't know where some right. part of the world off of Africa, uh, uh, something like this, uh, where they patrol because of a United Nations uh, mandate uh, to keep down piracy. And yeah, there's a lot of piracy off of the coast of Djibouti. Argh. Yeah, I, I believe it was around there. And but you know the idea that uh, the, the press would make a big deal out of a very minor thing like that, and then and then you know really fail to mention that uh, you know Israeli airplanes were about ready to strafe uh, a German war a German a naval ship. Well, we're not sure they didn't, Jeff. Uh, it, it's hard to get at. Uh, the truth of this because yeah. the Germans are all too happy to accommodate whatever the Israelis tell them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way the, the German government is oriented. They're like our government. They they look and sound German, but they're just not our own. Uh, go ahead. Do you want to say something? Well, I, I yeah, I did want to say there's a re- very good poster, at least at least I think he's a very good poster, you mean uh, Alex? Named Alex on the forum. Yeah. And he posted some very interesting analysis. Uh, this is in the German forum here. Now we're talking, I guess we've got a subject about Germany. Let me go uh, into this. Um, into this uh, I'd be, Did I'd you be, see uh, that post of his? No, I'd be happy to uh, to hear about it, though. I, 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 Unfortunately, I had to sort of write it off because all of my sources on that one uh, were quite official and I just had to draw the conclusion that uh, what I was uh, reading probably didn't square with reality, and if I did, there was no way of knowing, because the German government's only too happy to uh, to go along with whatever the Israeli government told them. Um, but there were uh, probably the most uh, important thing comment made on that from the official sources was what the uh, Things that the captain of the boat was saying that they had uh, either fired a couple of shots or dropped some flares over the ship. But well, yeah, what does Alex say? Well, Alex this German. this does not have to do with this boat, but with, at least within Germany, there there is uh, a at least a latent far right nationalistic views to be found in the population there. And this is, um, I think, from Spiegel. Yeah, Spiegel Online. This is in the German section. This guy is a great poster. And and uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll read it briefly. Uh, Far-right views are not the domain of skinheads and neo-Nazis, but are firmly anchored. This is in Spiegel, by the way. Spiegel. Uh, are, are firmly anchored throughout German society, regardless of social class and age, according to a study of attitudes towards Foreigners, Jewish people, and the Nazi period. Okay, here we go. A study based on a 5,000 people survey found that 9% of respondents agreed with the statement that a dictatorship can, in certain circumstances, be preferable form of government. And 15.1% agreed that, uh, quote, we should have one leader to rule Germany with a strong hand for the good of the people. Uh, the term right-wing extremism, the article said, is misleading because it describes, uh, okay, okay, blah, 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 okay. Um, uh, I, I've read that one, and I know, um, I read that article the other day yeah. from Der Spiegel, and I would encourage anyone to read the English section of Der Spiegel. It, um, it's, a, it's a paper that 
almost, almost treats its readers like adults. Uh, it's probably the closest of any uh, Western, uh, as far as the United States and, and Europe goes, probably the best uh, paper out there, I think I would have to say. Well, you know, probably, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of uh, European media and whatever I, whatever I can find and understand. Uh, and um, the worst media, I believe, honestly, over there is the British media. But oh, yeah. the British media is better than ours by far. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, Isn't and, that uh, funny? Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. Exactly. And and the German media is very good. And uh, I used to watch their satellite feeds on on uh, on uh, when we in the old satellite days, the, the big ugly dishes, the buds. Right, right. And uh, Deutsche Welle. I mean, the the quality. You just get the impression that they treat their audience like adults. You know, they're not they're not doing the kindergartner big eyes talking down to them thing that. We we've uh, we've heard Alex do uh, to great laughter, but um, you know my first impression about that article was they and they said like how many nine percent had far right leanings and fifteen percent wanted one person to solve Germany's problem. Yeah, was that it? The thing is there that they won't tell you, and, and and this is what's important. This is what they mean by fighting the reporter for the story. In political polling, there's something called the 30% rule that you may have heard about, and that basically means that you can get 30% of the people to say anything. Uh, if you, you can take a poll and, and make 30% of the people say that they hate puppies. You can make 30% say that Elvis is alive, well, and living in the White House. It, you really can make 30% people say anything. It's called the 30% rule. And if, you get, if you're getting 9 and 15%, that, that is less than significant. So what that tells me is that uh, that very few, even if most of, even if a lot of them are not telling the truth, very few. The media is just trying to harangue those poor folks. You know, they 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 really don't. I, I, what I'm trying to say is, if if you took that poll in the United States, you would find a lot more people, two and three times the amount of people who would say that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the scandal there is that it's so low in Germany. Now, whether they were telling the truth, the, the Germans taking the poll is te- were telling the truth, which w- we would all have reason to believe that there's not a lot of compliance with that poll in Germany for, because of their history and their current laws there, um, that, that they're just beat down. And yes. they won't stop. I mean, uh, uh, I, Alex makes a good point by saying, you know, they'll they'll bomb you into rubble and then harangue the rubble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy, but that that's exactly, and I think that's what's going on here. Say, uh, what do you want to do here, uh, thesis? We have a uh, a number of callers. Uh, we have um, uh, actually several people that would like to talk about uh, talk to you tonight, and uh, we have Kievsky. We have a guy named Kikeherder. And we have, <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just bring in Kai Kurter, see what see what's going on here? Sure. I, I, know, I know that Kievsky wants to talk quite a bit, as well as uh, Signet. So you guys hold on. This this, uh, this Kai Kurter, he's he's something of a of a mystery to us. So let's find out where where he's coming from. Okay. Let me let me send him a chat message. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Good deal. But uh, but yeah, basically that that poll in Germany is just. It just means that 
they they always try to keep their finger on the pulse there. And uh, I, I had a I had an article by a British chief rabbi Jonathan Sachs that uh that I'll I guess I'll be re- uh, reading a little bit later. But they say the same thing that that anti-Semitism is always on the rise, uh, but we never seem to see a lot of it. And, and its causes are always mysterious and, and unknowable. Unknowable. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's just uh, it's a pathology. It's it's in the water. It's in the water or something. You know. Oh yeah, Kai Kurter, shut your feet off. Okay, are you ready? To, are you there, Kai Kurter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, Kai Kurter, do we know you? Uh, you might. Okay. <laughs> What's your name on the forum? Uh, it's in my blood. But oh, okay. I haven't posted in a long time. I'm banned now. You're banned? Uh-oh. Yeah. What'd you get banned for? I'm not sure. Well, that's usually <laughs> the response. It's it's hard to know. What's uh what's going on tonight? Are you uh kicking back listening to some free talk live? Yeah, I did enjoy listening to you guys. Uh enjoyed listening to uh Jeff's shows. Uh the uh what what's the name of your show, Jeff? The the Same thing. Oh well I've got true I don't Truth is, truth is no defenses in hibernation. Uh, right, right. But uh, I enjoyed listening to those old shows, and you, you've got a great radio voice. Really well, enjoyed you. that. Some, yes, some of those old, some of those old, uh, some of those old shows. I mean, they're not that old, but I, I enjoyed listening to them. And uh, if I can get some and, more reading done, and I'm, I'm going, I'm going to uh, be uh, trimming back my activities here at VNN, except for the radio. Uh, and if I can get some more reading done, I can probably do some more. But what kind of things are you reading now? Well, I'm reading a, a book uh, by um, actually a, a Jew uh, that wrote a, a post-war. That they only get to print, only Jews get to publish today generally. But uh, he wrote, <laughs> he wrote a post-war. He wrote a, a history of the post-war Europe mm-hmm. from basically 1945 to I guess the present. And his, his name is Tony Ute. Uh, J U D T, and uh, and so I'm reading a book upon uh, about post-war European history. How did you pick that book? Well, I first heard about it um, through IHR's website. This guy had some, um, he had some, um, he had some, uh, he ran into trouble with official Jewry. He he had a few criticisms of the Holocaust. Uh, nothing revisionist. But he he had some uh, he he said that some things that uh, about the Holocaust being stressed too much and 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 not being a, 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 a something it, its its role in history is out of place mm-hmm. and uh, and for these minor criticisms uh, the Jews came down really hard on him and that yeah history, its role in history is right next to George Washington chopping down the cherry tree or right. something like that fable fiction. But yeah, that's well, that's what he, I know that he wasn't saying that. Uh, yeah, of course not. Yeah, he, but anyway, the official Jewry uh, they came after him and and got some of his book tours uh, uh, shut down. And uh, that's where I know him from. That's yeah. right. He's from Poland or something, and it, or or it was the Polish Jewish. It was something to do with Poland, but they got him shut down from almost all of his speaking. That's engagements, right. Some of them right before he was about to go on. I've read the first chapter, and, and uh, basically he he is a slight revisionist in the sense that 
Well, first of all, he does start the book with the with the general uh, thesis that uh, okay, yeah, the Germans uh, brought this great horror upon Europe, and it's all their fault. But you know, maybe maybe we uh, maybe we were too too hard on the Germans, and and you know, and maybe maybe it's true they did all these horrible things to Jews, but you know, maybe they shouldn't have been kicked out of uh, all of Eastern Europe and 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 ethnically cleansed. But yeah, so he kind of starts with a like. Slightly, kind of, uh, you know, with a little bit of sympathy for the Germans, but you know, of course, because he is a Jew and he's not going to go too far. Yeah, that's uh, a big lie, I think, Jeff. I think that that he sounds like he's going on with the big lie, if you ask me. I mean, because getting the Jews out of Europe and and into Israel was what that shit was all about. Well, yeah. Anyway, it, it, I haven't I haven't finished the book. You know, I mean, some of these Jews do write interesting books, and uh, and I mean. Uh, I'm but, just so suspicious right now. Oh, you uh, have, yeah. You know, when 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 I see a, a funny looking name. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but you know, it's so hard to find a, a serious work of. I wouldn't uh, know where to look. I wouldn't history. know where to look. There, there's nothing. You know, I mean, what what is there? We almost <laughs> have to go back and read uh, uh, books that are, um, you know, Very older old. books. <laughs> Very old books. That's yeah. What I read. <laughs> I go to the library. I, I read a book uh, recently. Uh, oh, I didn't read the whole thing, but I uh, went to the local library. I live here in Atlanta. And uh went to the library and read a book. It's called The Black Book of Communism. That's a great book. You've read that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I've and, read summaries but, of it. And, and it's got some nice pictures in there and uh, some some interesting information. But, uh, of course, it, it you know, you you look at the, uh, the, the title page or the... There's five Jewish men writing this book. Yeah, <laughs> but they, they they show some of the horrors of communism, but they don't tell you where it came from. And uh, one of the I think the most interesting thing I found in that book was the uh, the Ukrainian farmers who were being uh, starved and and, and uh, you know the collective the, 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 they always do the collectivization of agriculture. That that's the main push you know back then when when they took over a communist country and uh so you know and i always thought well well shouldn't they fight back a little bit and they did there, there, there's a lot of evidence in that book of people fighting back but unfortunately the the jews had already gained control of the military and the government and they just the the ukrainian farmers would uh fight they, they, they would shoot the uh you know the russian jews coming in with the tanks and uh, they couldn't stand up against them, so they ran into the woods. And the uh, <laughs> they just set the woods on fire mm-hmm. and made them go oh, out yeah. of the woods and then killed them. <laughs> That's a favorite tactic, I must say. It's That's like, a favorite God, tactic. These, these people are so cruel, it's beyond belief. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the uh, the starving in the Ukraine was to feed uh feed people that were starving in, in central Russia that, who were already starving because they had Sovietized uh, the farm collectives uh, back in the East. And uh, the dirty little story there, and you may have read this in the book, is that uh, a New York Times reporter won a Pulitzer Prize for going to the Ukraine and reporting that because there had been uh, there, there had been some uh, rumors about that uh, there was a there was a mass famine, and that perhaps 
a million or more people were starving to death or had starved to death. And uh, some Jew reporter from the New York Times went over to the Ukraine and obviously knew what was going on, came back and wrote a piece that everything's said that okay. <laughs> everything's A-OK, basically. And they want a Pulitzer, and to this day, I mean, there, there's, there are plenty of calls to for them to give back that Pulitzer, but uh, to no avail yet. But I, don't I think that was I.F. Stone. You remember that's his name? That I, does sound familiar. I, yeah. so I think, yeah. Yeah, but not only did he write a big thing for the New York Times, but they were able to win a Pulitzer. So yeah. they were they were backing up their Jewish buddies over in the Soviet Union. Yeah. What did I just read today? I, I really enjoy this site, I, I uh, this IHR site. What did I just got to read today, this is another work of, of revision that uh, uh, is, is kind of cropping up, and it was by... Um, Oh, who was it by Davies? And this came out of um, a really uh, uh, elite paper in uh, in in Britain, the Times. And it says we didn't win the war; the Russians did. And he he says that the U.S. and the United States, uh, you know, really didn't win the war, and it was Russia that won the war. And Russia's objectives were achieved, and our objectives weren't. And worse, uh, you know, he kind of nibbles on the edge about, you know, you know, maybe Hitler should have been an ally of ours. You know, maybe well, we... that's that's what a lot of uh, American, a lot, yeah, a lot of the men in the upper echelons of the United States military thought the same thing. Uh, they wanted to point them east. Uh, they wanted to point the German army east and march with them. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, but but it's true. Only the Jew won World War Two. Only the Jew yeah. won World War II. The Russian people lost World War II. The American people lost World War II. The European people definitely lost World War II. You can't... Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I said this to a friend who's, who kind of cocked his eye at me, and he said, you know, what are you, crazy? Of course we won World War II. And I started pointing out some of the uh, the societal degeneration that we've undergone and, and we don't have the marks of a society who won that war. We have all the marks of a society who lost that war. Uh, we're in debt. We're, we have all the marks of a society that's occupied. I mean, and, and of course, white nationalists wouldn't bat an eye at that. But to someone who's not, uh, you know, to hear some of those things pointed out, it can be somewhat eye-opening. But uh, but yeah, the Russian objectives were uh, were one, and it was easy to convince the Russian people to hang on to Eastern Europe. And to, I mean, that was one of their main objectives. They wanted a buffer zone uh, because they had lost something like in, in the past. I, I think like in 150 years, they time they lost about a million and a half to two million Russian mothers' sons over there from uh, invasions coming from their western flank. So yeah, that's why it was easy to convince the Russian people to hang on and push through uh, Eastern Europe and hang on to it. Yeah, I've got a story about uh, I've got this uh, aunt, my mother's sister, and I uh, went up to see her recently. She lives nearby. And I, I'm 40 years old and, and she's, God, I don't know, in her 80s, late 80s. She keeps uh, records you know, she she does the uh, the family tree, and uh, on 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 my mother's side of the family, 
there are some German ancestors, the Krupps. And uh, if you look way back, and she's got these pictures, you know, she's got pictures of weddings. Just God knows what. I mean, it's book after book after book of this stuff. And I've, you know, and I saw the, uh, I saw the, 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 uh, the marriage of the Krupps into the, uh, you know, the, the Halford family, their, their family. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a German soldier marrying this woman and she's in a, a brown dress, you know, cause back then, the white wedding dress and the, the diamonds are, uh, you know, relatively new back then. They, they just put on their best dress or whatever, but, uh, married a German soldier and he's got that spike on his helmet, you know, from the, from the, uh, Kaiser's army from way back when. And, uh, and I had seen that before and when I went up to her recently, you know, cause I awoke back in February, so seeing her recently, she wanted to show me the books again. So I looked through them and I, and I ran across the, the crawls and the naps. You know, starts with a K, crawl and nap. And I said, you know, we really should have fought on the side of the Germans because we were fighting our cousins and our <laughs> our relatives over there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow, you know, and it was an eye opener. And they're old. I mean, it may no may make no impact, but uh, it's good to uh, point it out to people. You know, they, yeah, they are our family. It is true. Most. Uh and that's true up until today as well. The largest ethnic group in the United States are Germans. Still Germans, yeah. And I'll yeah. point out, I'll say, you know, there's no Russians in here. They're, they, you know, they have the city where people came from and, 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 and the, uh, you know, the name of the family and all that. And I'm like, you know, there's no Russians in here. There's no Jews. We should not have been fighting for Russia for communism. There, there's, it makes no sense. <laughs> and they, and, and they just oh no! There's <laughs> nothing wrong with uh, Uncle Joe. What? It's just Uncle Joe. He's a teddy bear, right? <laughs> yeah, those guys sold out Eastern Europe, and then we came back and whined about it. Yeah, our, our State Department all throughout the 20th century pretty much worked to counterfeit uh, what the United States or, or they basically worked in a lot of ways to aid communism. I mean, they, they, uh, it's been quite well detailed that they burned the Chinese nationalists at the, at the critical moment, mm -hmm. uh, and, and allowed the communists to take over and run the nationalists out onto the island. Uh, yeah, that's been well documented too, and our, our State Department had a major role in that, uh, yeah, but, but the same thing, and, and, as it's far so as sad. giving so East sad. Europe to the Russians, yeah, I mean, and look at and mi millions of people they killed, scores of millions, and they, they immediately implement implement collectivization of agriculture and just kill everybody, you know, as yeah. soon as they get power. Yeah, I mean, so, guns don't kill people; communism kills people. That's <laughs> true. They, they've well, killed so many. Let's you know. um. Hey, uh, would you mind, uh, uh, Kai Kurger, if we join Kievsky onto the call? What about, uh, would sure. that be all right with you, um, Theseus? Yeah, go ahead. I want to read something while you're doing that. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a neat little website called, uh, uh, let's see, I'll get the URL for you. It's uh, interviews with Hungarian 
anti-communist from the 1956 invasion. Uh, the, the heading of the website says, Welcome to the Freedom Fighter 56 Oral History Project. As a proud Hungarian American, as proud Hungarian Americans, we are collecting your stories of 1956 to help commemorate the 50th anniversary of this heroic time. And, uh, basically there, it's freedomfighter56.com. It's a neat little website. There's already, uh, some oral accounts that you can read there that are just really, um, uh, really amazing. And, and it's kind of neat because I, I put myself in their shoes, you know, the, 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 the poor, uh, Ukrainians running into the woods away from the Soviet tanks with mm-hmm. those nice stars of David on them. And they uh, tried to fight back too. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I kind of internalize that as, you know, that's us. You can't fight back. I mean, they, they, they tried to fight back. They, they had guns and they had organizations and they had workers unions. Well, it wasn't enough. They, they didn't do it along the right lines. Uh, because it can be done and it will be done, but we have to learn from their, uh, experiences. But we have to know who we are on, in, in that conflict. If we're looking at the Soviet invasion of Hungary, we have to understand who we are. We are the Hungarians, uh, uh, building IEDs in the road for the Soviet tanks. And we're the poor, uh, Ukrainian farmers. Uh, we have to, uh, you know, that's our side. Those are our guys. And we need to learn from their mistakes. And, uh, and we can and we will. They can be beaten. They will be beaten. <laughs> where uh, is Hungary, where is Hungary now politically? Did they throw off communism or are they? Oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in Hungary. As a matter of fact, they're part of this nationalist groundswell that we're seeing all over Europe that gets, it, it's a, it's a tremor right now, but it's amazing to watch. You almost feel like you're watching history being made if you're if uh oh, you're like hey. me and you're Did you yeah, see that did you see that video? Uh right now, I think I've seen it on Vienna Forum, but I saw it on the on the National Vanguard news site of just there was um there was marchers in Russia. Fighting the police? I didn't see the fighting the police, but I just saw the, the march itself. Did you uh, did you see them one uh, it was like a white thing. Something Yeah. Yeah, if you go to uh, theseus.wordpress.com, I have it on my blog. Okay, it's let's little, see a look at that. Yeah, it's a little bit down there, but uh, or it's it's just a couple of pages down at the YouTube uh, link. It's right below. I have a I have a video of uh, what was it? Theseus what? Uh, our Russian bro- uh, theseus.wordpress.com, and my heading was our Russian brothers stick it to Big Jew, and these uh. <laughs> These kids over in Russia are fighting the police in the streets, and that's that's what uh, that's where it's at right there. Yeah, I'm playing it right now. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. You have to, might have to watch it a couple times, but once you uh, figure out what's going on, I mean, they uh, the, the police end up retreating. Uh, wow, they're hitting the, the barricades. Through. Yeah, there's thousands of them, and they just they go en masse, and there's a lot of solidarity there, and uh, nobody's turning back. There's, there, and you know what? What what struck me is um, what definitely struck me was the ages there involved. Uh, it wasn't as um, they were mostly young, but I was struck by how many men and women there were in their mid 30s and mid 40s, or mid 30s to mid 40s. A little bit older of a demographic than I thought 
would be involved in that type of movement. But that's good to see, and that's what we need here too. We need we need all these people participating. You know, the funny thing that if if you find that post of uh, Alex from Germany in the German section, <clears throat> the odd thing is that, is that he points out there is um, in a, in a follow up um, is uh, that racist right wing attitudes are much stronger in the left-wing parties, the, quote, left-wing parties, unquote, than they are in the right-wing parties. Well, that's what, what they call the new anti-Semitism, yeah. quote-unquote. Yeah, they call that the new anti-Semitism. Why would it be and, in the left, though? Well, you know, first why? of all... First of well, all, because I've, I've, Israel's a warmonger, yeah. and Israel is, Israel is seen as having... Uh, their narrative kind of goes like this. The... The Israelis, the the well is poisoned by the Nazis, and they treated them so bad that they've kind of ingested that psychic trauma, and now they're meting it out to their enemies. And um, so the leftists believe that uh, that that's kind of the light, that's the new anti-Semitism light. But you know, to be honest with you, well, I'm always honest with you, but but to be frank, there a lot of the uh, more left-leaning the new anti-Semitism type people know the Jew and and indeed name the Jew. There are plenty of. Uh, I, I, I would think that uh, I saw six more Jews got elected or something. Oh so I yeah. I think they would keep that under control. Well, they did go against Lieberman. I mean, they're just getting some really hard knock lessons. I mean, uh, the what's been termed as the right wing here in the United States tends to know more about Jews because, or, or the people that know more about Jews tend to be drawn from the right wing. Let's say it like yeah, that. Right. In yeah. Right, yeah. Right, because, let's face it, the Jews have always been on the left. And they've, they've enforced this uh, radical fake equality. They've enforced all of this craziness in the United States. And uh, it, it's been the right that has been fighting this rearguard action to fight it. Well, now they've sort of jumped ship, and you've got the Jew playing both sides uh, um, as he does best. And now he's a neocon, and they're really sucking it to the left. So, I, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm re- I like to read left uh, lefty blogs, and they kind of catch on that the media. You know, why is the media just so hostile all of a sudden? You know, well, it's because now your interests conflict with that of Israel's. Now it's in Israel's. Uh, now it's good for the Jews, for the United States, to go fight its wars. Uh, whereas in Vietnam, it wasn't, uh, and you know it was okay to protest and bring down the order on the college campuses and the military and, and everywhere else. It's uh, it's not good for Jews anymore to be anti-military. So now uh, we have to support the troops. Even even the most ardent yeah. anti-war people, pretty much, will say that they support the troops. It's, yeah, the, uh, the, the the Democrats are the new war party. What? Well, the Democrats. Well, they are. I would say that they're just as much as of the war party as Republicans, and I think it'll be a, at least a few months before this honeymoon's over from this election for them to be able to see that. It, it, it is kind of discouraging to see them to see people on the left drawn a little bit more back into the process, whereas. Maybe three or four months ago, they were seeing that there's really no difference between the parties, and they were they were having a much more healthy view on these things. Now that a lot of 
people that I've noticed on the left se- seem to be tending back in into the fold a little bit, but I don't think that that's something that will be sustained. It, it can't be. Uh, as far as I see. Okay, show I, note. First of all, um, uh, one, one thing on that, follow up on that, is if you go back and look at all the votes for the war, the Democrats were just as deep into it as the Republicans were in terms absolutely. of voting. Absolutely. Hey, Nancy Pelosi says that she's the strongest support of Israel yeah. in the Congress. So. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. The second thing yeah. is is that Mr. Uh, Mr. Kievsky is online. Are you there, Mr. Kievsky? Kievsky? I, I sure am. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hello, yes, we can. Kievsky. Yeah. Welcome to Free Talk Live. Thank you very much. How's it going? Are you uh, are are we coming through loud and clear out there? I can hear yeah. you just fine. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you great. What's up? What's on your mind? Well, I uh, you know I called in. All right, I I actually do have something in my mind. I don't want to go off topic of what you guys were talking about. We're going it's everywhere just... right now, so you shoot it. Okay. <laughs> well, you know I've been around the movement for about six years now, and one thing I've noticed is. Um, there's some people get are very dispirited by this, you know, the current situation, or just the way things are going for us. And it happens sometimes to all of us, I think. Well, that happens because you're looking at a very narrow uh, part of the situation. I agree. You know, the, the, the racial, the racial situation is indeed dire, but if you look at the whole. I mean, the, uh, you know, the big picture. Big picture is dire as well. And if the situation, the big picture was better, then the racial situation would be better as well. Uh, for example, <clears throat> when you have one of the reasons uh, a lot of white females, you know, are, are being poached by colors is you look at our white guys who are, uh, you know, sitting in front of video games all the time instead of dealing with the real world and just accustomizing themselves to being in cubicles, sitting on couches in front of electronic boxes instead of, you know, being out like Gangs of New York. Remember that movie, Gangs of New York? I love that film. Yeah, that, that, was when, that was when white people were racially held. That's an example to look at. And the reason we have a bad racial situation is because those white guys are in front of the playstations instead of out and about in the street like they were, you know, in gangs in New York, for example. Well, um, well why was that, though? Why were they out in the streets instead of inside? Well, there, there was, was nothing no to do inside. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, there there were things to do inside, but they... Uh, uh, yeah, but they they liked being out and about, and they also understood... Uh, it was a fight over territory. That's what that movie was about. Well, we it have a fight a... over territory now, but we're just yeah. not fighting it. Right. And so that, that's their problem. And, you know, the thing about white nationalists is they're, they're the more responsible element of society. And it's very painful for us to see what's happening and to have so few people joining us, you know, and so few people even per- perceiving what's going on. Um, I think they perceive it. They just have a hard time naming it. Everyone knows something's wrong. I mean, I, I like to use uh, music as an example. And if you listen to the music, uh, just it's it's gone so angry and uh, 
But if you listen to the lyrics, they're not, they don't really ever talk about what they're angry about. But you can hear things around the edge, you know, kind of like, um, and some uh, people used to, to describe it much more eloquently, you know, some many yeah. people described it in very eloquent. But they talk about lost futures or lost, uh, you know, that, that the previous generation kind of shat on us and, and, uh, gave us this, uh, ugly future. And I, since I've become racially aware, I, I've kind of gone back over that been interested in that angle, you know what I mean? Them right. saying things like that, yeah. Well, I don't like looking at pop culture as much. I mean, pop culture is useful to look at, you know, or you know, music that's playing there. Is that but, you, Kai Carter? I don't think so. Oh, someone. Oh, Kievsky, you need to speak up a little bit more. Okay, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, can that's you hear better. Me? That's better now. Okay, I put it close to me. I think what you have to do is look at the people around you. You know, that's the best example, and, 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 and base your thinking on that. And, I mean, overall, like, environmentally, economically, things are extremely dire. And the racial situation is no different. And so, you know, the Germans are really into gestalt, which means the whole Gesamtprinz work, the, the, the whole work of art. You know, that's something that the Germans have, have given to us as a, as a concept, as you look at the big picture. Look at the forest and not just the trees. And what we have is a very big picture problem. And the racial problem is really very ugly. It sticks out, you know, to a lot of us. It, um, our racial instincts tell us that it's not right for our females to be poached by non-white. And that was, that's what wakes us up, a lot of us up initially. And then we begin to see, you know, uh, the bigger picture. But you really got to look at it as as the whole picture at once, I think, and deal with with that. The fact that I mean, the whole world's in a pretty dire situation. And well, yeah, it's not even the big picture as far as the iceberg. Yeah. All right. Can I can I tell a short story here? Well, hang on one second. The big picture is about uh, it, it's not about the the non-whites and 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 white women. It's about Jews propagandizing. To our women, that this is a good and desirable thing. You know, it's the I call it the nigger with the clipboard. You know, it's uh, doesn't really exist in real life, but he's all over television. Uh, that's one of the tips of the iceberg, indeed. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's one example, but what I'm saying is it's it's not um, it's it, it, the not the non-white's not the problem. Our women are making that decision, so it's where. Who is having them go against their instincts like that? And you know that's just the the propaganda. And who's well, there's no, because there's no community. Out the propaganda. There's no community to uh, uh, you know direct their behavior. I mean, in the old days, you had a community yeah. that ostracized and rewarded certain behavior. Yeah. And Good point. Good point. Kai Carter, what, what were you going to say? I was just going to say I, I, I'm in the home inspection class. Speak I'm up, Kai Carter. Sorry. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a home inspection class right now. I'm taking off from my job, trying to you know find another way to make some income. So I'm in this home inspection class, and the, and the instructor, and and he's done well. He's an agent and an inspector, and God knows what else. And he he's well above the average income level. And and those type of people, it's very hard to get through to them because they have a vested interest in the status quo continuing. And he he mentioned today. Uh, 
he was like, you know, I'm so glad it's Veterans Day. You got you you served, you know. Thank you, Steve, and 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 you know, there's a black guy in the special forces that that's there. Thank you for serving, and 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 that's what's keeping us free, and that's why we can, you know, they're, they're so brainwashed. And and he was talking about the, uh, well, they they killed three thousand of our people, and and they're they're screwing up our gas prices. You never know when there's going to be another yeah. terrorist attack. Well, who do you and, think and I killed? Said, I, said, ahead, I, said, I said, well, you know, seventeen. What, what is seventeen thousand or forty thousand people died on the on the interstates last year? <laughs> that just created a train wreck in his head, and I didn't say anything else. But uh, yeah, but 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 that is. I mean, they they believe they believe everything the TV says. Everything. Well, you just have to take the high ground back from them. What what he's trying to do there is claim the masculine high ground, and one of the ways I like to get it back is uh, if you steer the conversation over towards you know Iraq, and they're calling the people that are shooting back at uh, American soldiers uh, terrorists. Well, ask them this. What kind of uh, what kind of man doesn't understand that if you had tanks from a foreign occupying government going up and down your street, would you not fight? Uh, and, you know, anyone right. who doesn't anyone who doesn't understand that isn't a man at all. And that's how you take back the high ground from that because that's something universal that they may or may not be able to understand. And you will catch them flat-footed, and it, it it basically what Basically, what you point out is that they don't understand that. And Talk, talking that, about people dying, talking about the fact that you know, ten times as many people died on the interstate was way too much for him. It totally overloaded his brain. Yeah, I could, I could never, <laughs> not, not not with this particular person. I could not uh, talk about you know defending your homeland. That, that, that gotcha. I would never, I would never get there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's. All right, the thing is, arguing with people like that is pretty pointless. The problem is their character. They're like rats in a maze. They've been, you know, I've, I've been taking psychology, and I'm seeing how people have been shaped, have been reinforced. You know, they've been, their minds have been engineered. They get certain rewards for thinking certain things. And as long as they get those rewards, you're, no matter how ar- good your argument's going to be, you'll never get through to them. It's only so- until... Their, that, that, you know, their behavior, their Jew-worshipping, uh, you know, multiracialist behavior is no longer actively rewarded by the system that you'll be able to get through to them. That's right. I just, I, I just do what Jeff, you know, Jeff talks about talking to people in the mall. You, you just try and, you know, bring up a, a small issue and uh, let, let's introduce it. Uh, you know, you create a train wreck in their mind. They, they think that it's black. You say it's white. And then you stop and just let them talk. And and but 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 don't you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to get too into it. Well, you got to get people when when they uh, their when when they no longer you know uh, believe in the cheese that Zog is handing out to them. When they you know see something that's worse than the cheese that they're getting from Zog. I mean, you really got to think of people out there just like rats, lab rats in a maze being fed cheese. You know, you know, Kievsky, what, what, what this movement hasn't, we're not, what we are not in a position to do is to offer our own rewards. I mean, right now, people get, when they, when they 
praise my multiculturalism or, or, or racial diversity or whatever they call it, uh, they get a pat on the back, right? Yeah. Yeah, they get a smile, they get a pat they get on a the back. Yeah, they get a paycheck. They get a smile. Yeah, yeah, but we, but you know, we can't offer them even a pat on the back because we're, you know, we we effectively have no no power. Well, I would, I I, I agree, uh, pretty much, Jeff. I th- I think that's an important thing to note. But I would say that our power lies in the truth. Our reward, our cheese, lies in the truth, and that's more of a longer term investment yeah. in dealing with people. Uh, and that's why I encourage. Uh, multiple, uh, you know, uh, over the months and years, contact with these people, you know, chip away at them a little bit. And b- because what, and maybe that's just because that, that helped me along, because the problem is with the Zog cheese is that it doesn't describe reality. And the fundamental problem with that is that it doesn't, um, it doesn't reliably you can't rely, make reliable predictions from it. And I'm not talking about looking into a crystal ball. I'm talking about uh, the Iraqis aren't going to throw flowers at our invading troops. Okay, that's what the propaganda was. And if you if you went for that piece of cheese, you were severely punished. And someone saying uh, differing with that analysis scores a point. And I, I think being able to uh, talk about and predict reality is important for us because because I if you notice the racists have always been right. That that's a big point that I don't think we drive hard enough. The racists of the sixties and seventies and eighties, they were right about what would happen. They were right about the the non white masses and the, the third world uh, making uh, of the United States looking more and more like a third world, even when you know liberals and Jews are saying, no, no, that's ridiculous, they'll come here and they'll be American. Uh, the racists were saying, no, no, you're going to have white flight, you're going to have, uh, you know, it's going to be the third world, it's going to be Mexico right here in the United States. Well, they were right. They were right about that and so much more. Uh, all of the things that they agitated about, they were right, and I don't think we drive that hard enough. Go ahead. Well, Theseus, the thing is, there will always be a tiny, tiny elite that uh, are motivated by the truth. Ah, yes. All right, but what we have to do is take a look at... um, Uh, Pierce called them the perceptive minority. Right. Okay, anyway, go ahead. And, okay, let me think. All right, what we have to do is play to our... What advantages we might have. And admittedly, it's... It's humble what I'm talking about. You know, I'm not talking about world-breaking things. But what small advantages we have is that people are very lonely, you know, and you know, even people who are, or especially people who we would want to be in our cause, um, you know, the, the people who are intellectually elite, you know, who are pretty smart, who are getting a good education, they're very often, they don't, they don't have anyone, you know, barely, barely any friends. And I can tell you that in a... In Boston, we have a, a group of people. When I call one of them, you know, they're all there. There's like four or five of them. And it's already a little group, you know, a group of friends. But it, this is already something beyond what the white nationalist movement has. It's, it's uh, about, about five guys that, are, that hang out, you know, every weekend and, and do stuff, whether it's, whether it's related to, you know, white nationalist activism or related to just, uh, you know, trying to make money. 
but but it's already a little tiny community, and 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 they are able to draw in. You know, they were able to. We started about three of them, and then they've already drawn in two more. Just because the the two more were so glad to find a group of people to hang out, and it's that simple, and it's that. No, it's a great point. I mean, yeah. that's what the Nazis did. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not big on uh, following uh, line for line what the Nazis Nazis did, but they they had a really great. Uh, uh, idea they would just go and set up, you know, parties or you know just get-togethers, displays of themselves in these places, and show that you know they had something going on. When the rest of the country was in this huge depression, they were getting together and and like having fun and showing pride. And yeah, you're right. I mean, people were drawn to that. Um, let's see, it's the top of the hour. So, Jeff, can we go ahead and uh, take a break? You want to roll something? Sure, I'll, I'll roll uh, uh, about. No more than five minutes, folks. Stay on the line, Kike Herder and uh, and and, and um, Kievsky. And okay. uh, when we get back, we're going to uh, analyze some Patriot Hard audio. Okay. All right. We'll do that. Radio, waking you up. 